Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The hang-ups we have today. Welcome in to episode 264 of this Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway in Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859 859- Five four three zero seven zero zero. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Sean, two for two. Last week we had a breaking news episode that was fun and exciting. We said no pessimism, no sad nonsense, no... The sky is falling BS like it was going to be a a purely optimistic and hopeful show. And now a week later, we get to do this once again, yet another breaking news episode with incredibly positive and uplifting and exciting and happy news for the Kentucky basketball program. First and foremost, Sean, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here and I'm I'm glad to be here for another positive episode. A a big step in the right direction today for Kentucky, A, a big step in the right direction over the last seven days for Kentucky's 23-24 roster and uh, adding Trey Mitchell to the fold and, and a, a veteran piece in a day of college basketball where you have to be older. Kentucky got significantly older the, the last couple of, of commitments or returnees, I guess you could say a returnee and, and a commitment today. No, I know that uh, – and I appreciate Cal uh, acknowledging the circumstances that allowed this to happen and, and like, yes, yes. – this would not have happened if Bob Huggins didn't get a DUI, didn't get fired slash resign and retired. How you know whatever side of the aisle you want to stand on that one. This would not have happened if that situation didn't happen. So it's unfortunate, uh, big picture that we even had to get to this point because you never want to see a guy's career come to a close that way. And you know he's a legend in the game and, and, and all that, but it did happen. And Cal, as soon as it became very clear that this kid was going to become available. Kentucky was ready. He put his name in the transfer portal. Kentucky was among the first to reach out. They got a visit, visit scheduled almost immediately. Uh, this was never going to be anybody but Kentucky. Once he put his name in the transfer portal, Sean, this was never going to be anybody but Kentucky. I hinted at it last week that there were uh, deep coaching ties and connections and family ties to uh, between Trey Mitchell, John Calipari, family old coaches in the Pittsburgh area. Kid went to UMass. That's where John Calipari came from. Stepdad uh, grew up in Springfield. I mean, there, there were just so many connections that I want to hit on uh, before the show ends. But uh, this was not a secret. This was not some uh, surprise that anybody shouldn't have been expecting. Once Trey Mitchell was in the transfer portal, this became as clear cut of, a, of an option for Kentucky uh, and as clear a fit as you could ask for, position of need, a uh, fifth-year senior, stretch four potential. Like it, it hit all of the boxes that Kentucky was looking for uh, this offseason. You don't want to wait till June 26th to make that happen, but uh, they Cal got his guy, and he deserves credit for making it happen. He he absolutely deserves credit for making it happen, and, and I mean, it goes both ways, right? Like it was okay to be frustrated for the couple of months that Kentucky wasn't making any movement, and fortunately it works out and you get your guy and under circumstances that you did not see coming. Like there was no way that Trey Mitchell was a part of Kentucky's plan, but it worked out, Jack. Kentucky got a dude that is going to make a significant difference in its roster. A guy that scored right at 1400 career points, 92 starts over hundred career college basketball games. Like he started basically his entire career. 
So you're getting a ton of experience to go with Antonio Reeves, who has a lot of college experience and, and Kentucky needed that. And it needed it to go alongside a talented incoming group of freshmen that I still think when it comes down to how good Kentucky can be, it's going to rely on those freshmen becoming stars. But at least now you have some dudes that can kind of carry the weight of it in November and December and give these younger guys time to mature and come along in college basketball. And, and this, this gives Kentucky a shot, a shot that it did not have seven to 10 days ago. And that, that's a great point. Cal clearly wanted to go all in on the freshman. This, this is what Cal's goal was going into this. He said to hell with the, uh, you know, playing a bunch of senior citizens. Like we, we, yes, those guys are beneficial and they have their, their, their role, but Cal has always been at his best when he has young talent that can go from point A to point B and go this direction. When Kentucky has been at its worst in recent years has been when the, the vets have kind of peaked too early. And yes, they played incredible basketball in December and January, but they never kind of continued that, that upward trajectory that you see Cal's March Madness teams go go crazy because it's freshmen peaking at the right time. It's yes, you're going to get some early bumps and bruises, but it's because they are uh, working toward that end goal. If that end goal is met in January, then it allows other guys to catch up, and, and the ceiling is a lot lower with older teams. Cal has always been at his best with guys like this, but. You can't just go eight freshmen in. I'm still expecting Santos Surreal to be a Kentucky Wildcat. Eight freshmen, it sounds great, you know, what we were just talking about, but they can't do it alone. Cal couldn't just throw those guys in with the Sharks and say, sink or swim, kids. Like, they needed a a stopgap. They needed somebody to kind of get them through those early rough patches so the the, the, the uh, ship didn't sink before it could even really take, take off. So... Antonio Reeves was the perfect stopgap at the guard position, and Trey Mitchell is now the perfect stopgap at the, at the forward position while everything else kind of works itself out. Uh, and that's why this team, I don't know if I'm willing to call them a national title con- contender or favorite, but they're at least interesting. They're at least going to be in the national conversation, as you said, something that cl- they clearly were not a week ago, two weeks no, ago. No, and, and if, you had, if you had changed the order of all this – from when it happened, like if you had gotten Reeves back in April and then you make an addition like this in April and then you add Jordan Burks and, and, and other pieces, then I think everybody would have had a, a much better feeling throughout the entire spring and moving into the summer. But it didn't work out that way. But but in the end, and I know a lot of people are going to come back and be like, well, you should always trust John Calipari when it comes to organizing, putting together a roster. Like I said, th- this was there's no way that this was the plan, but credit to Cal and the staff, they got it done. They found a way to get Reese back on campus, and then they found a way to get something in the portal that kind of fell into their lap. Like, it it fell into their lap. Trey Mitchell would be at West Virginia had it not been for what happened with Bob Huggins a little over a week ago. It, But it worked out for Kentucky. Kentucky gets a, a valuable piece. And like you said, they got a guy on the perimeter now that has experience that has hit shots and has played a lot of college basketball. They have a guy now at that forward spot that can do it too. They they have two older guys that are going to be 23 years old in college basketball. That goes a long way from 18, 19 years old. That's what's coming in. And when you look at the draft boards next year, and I know ESPN, I, I know uh, Draft Express and stuff put, put that out recently. You got DJ Wagner up there, Justin Edwards. If those two guys live up to that billing and where they are, Kentucky's going to have a shot when it comes down to February, March. You have another guy in Ugo who popped in there in, in the first round and some other pieces there. Like if, if those guys, and that's what we were talking about last week, Jack, they all don't have to hit. You just need a couple of those young guys to hit. And if it does, I think they have enough now in the, in the form of veterans that Kentucky does have a shot to make some noise and do some things in the SEC, but also in the postseason. So I touched on some of the connections, and I want to go through uh, the, the long list of them and just explain how ridiculous this all was. And uh, I, I'm sorry to any other schools that e- even tried to go after Trey Mitchell during this process because they had absolutely zero shot. I know there was some PR spin about, uh, yeah, the, he, you know, he hasn't set up any visits yet. These other guys have reached out. Oh, uh, a return to West Virginia is still on the table, which I, I – Maybe that could have unfolded. I know uh, they they retained uh, one of their assistants as their you know interim guy, so that that could have made things complicated. But look, 
the train was already so far down the track by the time it even got to that point that this was, this was just a non-starter for anybody else. Tony Bergeron is Trey Mitchell's stepfather who coached Tyree Gavin at American Christian Academy in Pennsylvania uh, in high school, adored John Calipari long, like decades and decades long uh, of a relationship uh, in the coaching world from, from that area uh, grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts when John Calipari was at UMass so that's kind of where those coaching connections came from there. Uh, sent Tyreek Evans to John Calipari to play at Memphis. That was kind of like the first real connection back and forth between the, those two. Tony Bergeron ends, uh, you know, ends up uh, being a coach, a high-level coach in the, at the high school ranks, ends up being an assistant at UMass while uh, Trey Mitchell was there. But uh, a five-star basketball product, John Calipari, like the history of him in, in five-star basketball goes – I mean, there, there are books written about it and, and his connection with that program and him as a camper and as an, as an instructor there. Uh, Tony Bergeron was also there and made DVDs, Sean, of him teaching the dribble drive. There, there are like uh, old PDFs. If you just type in uh, Tony Bergeron dribble drive, there are PDFs you can find online of him handwriting notes about why the dribble drive is so successful and how to get the most out of it and, and those sorts of things. Like the connections made so much sense on, from, from just a step down perspective. And this is this kid's stepfather, like in the house guy making uh, the majority of the calls and, and kind of orchestrating things from, from afar. Like that guy having in your corner with the kid that you're trying to get at the position that you are looking for as a fifth year senior, senior like it's almost hilarious. And then when you keep digging further, he Trey Mitchell played for Basketball Stars of America uh, in Pennsylvania, where Adutiro played, where Nate Sestina played, where Johnny David played. The coach, the 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 director, the creator of Basketball Stars of America, coached under John Calipari at Memphis. Was with him at the Philadelphia with the Philadelphia 76ers, with him with the New Jersey Nets, like. Adores John Calipari more than anybody else. So that guy is in your corner, a guy who made the calls to get Nate Sestina to Kentucky, the guy that coached, uh, he went to Duquesne, got Almami Thero with him to Duquesne when he transferred from Memphis playing for John Calipari to Duquesne. Uh, that guy is the, the, the founder of Basketball Stars of America who Trey Mitchell played for and the, the family ties there like in the Pittsburgh area. So it's like, Sean, it, it's hilarious. Uh, and I mean, just on the surface level, Orlando Antigua from played at Pitt, the, the deep ties to that area, John Calipari from Moon Township. Like you could go on and on and on and on about just how hilarious the connections are between this kid in particular. Like you couldn't ask for a, a better situation to unfold of, of the, who the kid is, who his connections are, the position he plays and the year that he is currently it's like this guy was made to play for John Calipari this season. Like uh, it's like it's fans always complain about you know the ball not bouncing in Kentucky's direction, or we all we always have the injury luck that plays a, against Kentucky, and oh we're, we just had buzzard luck with the Shaden Sharps of the world, and oh this guy continues to get hurt and blah blah blah. This guy is the ball bouncing in the right way for Kentucky. Like you could not have made a a kid that was built better for John Calipari this season at this time. And it's a win for both sides. And, and Cal put that in his quote today and, and stuff in that release. And, and so you're now, after you've added all that information, it, it makes sense why it all happened so quickly, right? Like he goes in the portal and a few days later, he's a Kentucky Wildcat. And it, it's a great ad. Like you, you don't add players like this, this late. You go back, what, five years ago. And I think it was, it was a little earlier than this, but Kentucky added Reed Travis to that roster with Tower Hero and P.J. Washington. That came in June. This is almost July in Kentucky and adds this. I know Davion Mintz, I think, announced his return on July 1st, and we recorded an episode a couple of years ago. So we're kind of getting used to maybe getting something late like this, but this caliber of a, of a kid who has a ton of experience, I did talk to somebody that has coached him at one of his stops, and they talked about his footwork on the block, how, how, how solid it is there, but also his ability to step out and knock down shots from the perimeter. And that is something that you need. He, he's another guy that can create some space for you on the floor. And Kentucky's got some guys that can do that across the roster. Like I, I'm starting to look at this roster and, and get a little bit excited about it and what the potential can be. And 
what this roster can look like here in just a few weeks when they take the floor in Toronto and you get to see some of these pieces do their thing. But Kentucky went from being a team that if you hadn't got Antonio Reeves back a week ago and if you hadn't made this addition, we know Kentucky was going to add guys. But I thought it was going to be a team that would really, really struggle early on. And they still might. They're still mm-hmm. going to be super young. But those early season struggles, Jack, if, if you go through them and you don't win those quality games in the non-conference, it puts you in a situation where you're talking bubble. And we had that same talk with this past Kentucky team. And then they turned it on an SEC play. They've got veteran guys now that I think can kind of carry the torch for them and let DJ Wagner. And this will eventually be the freshman's team. And that's what needs to happen. If Kentucky's going to get where it wants to go, it has to be Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, and those guys driving the ship. If not, then Kentucky's not going to eventually get to that point to where that they make that big jump and they try to win in the NCAA tournament and get to a Final Four. But early on, you have guys that have won big college basketball games. This is a guy that scored 20 on the road at Kansas and has that experience playing in Allen Fieldhouse. He's played in the Big 12 at multiple stops. He played two years at UMass. Antonio Reeves has played in big-time college basketball games for you. You needed that to kind of bridge that gap from youth to experience, and Kentucky has it. It has a solid, two solid pillars to lean on starting the year. Uh, Michael TB asks, how come we didn't get Mitchell the last two times he transferred? You know, it was just bad timing the first two times uh, when he was coming out of high school. I just, you know, talked to his former coach, uh, said that he was, he will admit that he was out of shape and not, and, and you know, uh, somebody else in the chat mentioned this, uh, that he was not an SEC level uh, athlete at that time. Uh, and he will readily admit that his body wasn't where he needed it to be. UMass was the right fit for him, as you could see his numbers, you know, 17, 18 points per game. Uh, there and then his next transfer uh, deciding there, uh, Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin, Damian Collins. You know the front court depth was was what it was. Uh, there wasn't a real fit at that time uh, for you know adding another kind of stretch four ish type 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 of player. Um, so it, it just the the two the stars didn't align with the style of play that he was looking for and what Kentucky needed at that given time. Uh, who they already had obligations tied to, you know, leading up to that point. So uh, it's very fortunate that now Kentucky needed that guy right at the same time as he became available. And again, it, it comes in crappy circumstances, but it's so benef- like so unbelievably beneficial uh, on Kentucky's end that this specific guy, you know, talking to, uh, you know, his, his old coach, I was like, you just be honest, what, what type, what position is he going to play uh, for Kentucky? He was like, He could play, you know, I I probably would put him at the four. But as you said earlier, Sean, uh, you know, has the footwork to be a five and, you know, understands body positioning and leverage and things like that are necessary. If you want to be a small ball five, he's six, nine, 220 ish pounds. So he he can be that guy if that's what you want him to be. But he's also a damn good face up guy. He can knock down you know, the, the way his game is progressed as a face up, you know, perimeter oriented guy where he can you know, be a 36% three-point shooter, uh, something that Jacob Toppin was streaky and found his rhythm in SEC play. But, like, did you really rely on Jacob to be a knockdown shooter? Um, you know, that's up in the air. I, I'm the, the proof is in the pudding and has been for four years with uh, Trey Mitchell. He he is known for for being able to knock down shots, and his game has really grown in that direction. Um Turns the ball over a little bit too often and needs to work on that and, you know, some, some decision making issues with him. But uh, ideally, Sean, he's not going to be a 35 minute per game, you know, type of guy. He's going to be kind of that stopgap with Aaron Bradshaw and his injury, how long he takes to get back on floor. We'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, ideally, he's going to be your 25 to 27 minute per game guy uh, and just kind of fill, fill whatever role is necessary given the game. If, if Kentucky needs to, to knock down a, a shot, he can do that. If they need some some inside work and some, you know, that finesse presence that Kentucky doesn't have right now, uh, he can be that guy. He, he's the the ultimate fill fill gap, understand your role uh, type, type of player. Yeah, and, and this is some things that uh, – some information I got on him, and I, I won't share the the assistant coach that, that I talked to, but he said he's extremely talented – uh, did say that he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a wing or a four, but had lost weight and looks the part to be a wing at the moment in his career. Uh, needs to work on his ball handling. So if he's going to make that transition to, to playing some wing, that's an area of his game needs to improve. But like I said, the footwork and the ability to knock down the three. Kentucky's got guys that can handle the ball on the perimeter. 
if, if you put this guy at that four spot and if he does improve his ball handling, can, can maybe take some guys off the bounce and do some things out of, out of that face-up game, uh, another guy there alongside him in the Duthiero that I think is going to play that role too, Kentucky's starting to get a, a roster jack that you're you're looking at and you're, some of those question marks that we had a couple of weeks ago, they're, they're now being answered. And now it's just about staying healthy, getting some experience and, and figuring out. I, I'm no longer concerned about the four spot. Um, I guess my question marks now on the roster is maybe with the five and what happens there and what Kentucky does and who they lean on at that spot. But I love this addition. I didn't like how long it took us to get here, but it all worked out in the end. Kentucky got its guy. Kentucky's got veterans now on its roster to go with these young freshmen. And you're starting to see it now, Kentucky. It, it changes the way national media views Kentucky. Mm-hmm. A week ago, you couldn't put this team in the top 25, even though they have a ton of incoming talent coming in. It didn't have the making or the pieces or the parts to make a run in the NCAA tournament and compete for a Final Four or a national championship. Does it have those pieces now? It is a significant step in the right direction, but now what needs to happen is development. Guys emerge and become stars. This freshman group can't flop. If they flop, Kentucky's not going to be successful. But when you add as many talented pieces as you have, it gives you some wiggle room there that if you just get two of those guys to hit, I think this could be a pretty good Kentucky basketball team. I also think that this presents a very real opportunity to have a sit-down conversation with Aaron Bradshaw and say, do you trust me? You're going to play the five for us. I know it's not, you're not going to be bringing the ball up and being Mr. I'm a three, you know, what, whatever. But if you trust me, I will ensure that you get your two to three, you know, 19 footers a game. Because if you put him next to Trey Mitchell at the four and five and then let everything else fall into place, if you want Justin at the three, if you want, you know, to play, uh, DJ Rob and Antonio together and then have Trey and, or do you really want to go small and have Justin at the four and then Trey at the five or Justin at the four and Aaron at the five, you know, you can now get unbelievably creative where above all else you have shot making at every single position that did not exist on this past, this past team uh, with, with uh, Oscar Shibway. You now have, Three, a three-point shooting threat at every single position, and that that allows Cal to get really damn creative, uh, and that, that's a, an exciting possibility that I don't know how, if you are Aaron Bradshaw, if you're Clutch, and I, I will talk about how draft night win and the absolute disaster that was for Clutch. I mean, good God, what a terrible PR mess that was. Um, but I think there's something to be said about looking yourself in the mirror, if you're Aaron Bradshaw, and saying, I don't need to go up positions because just for the sake of doing it, just to say I'm a three, like you are a super, super skilled five, a true face up five. Be that guy, be a top five pick as a face up five, because that's what you're going to play in the NBA. Or if you want to, you know, I just, I just don't think his ball handling is where it needs to be, to be, to be a four. And and I I just think that could create some, a log jam at that position uh, with Trey Mitchell. But if, 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 Cal can look at Aaron Bradshaw and say, just trust me, this could really work out from a positionless, but like, you know, having positions, but a positionless style of play standpoint, like things would get really, really intriguing from that in that regard. And I think Kentucky could put up a ton of points, a ton of points. Yeah, absolutely. That That's actually the lineup that I, that I was thinking about too. And when, when you have th- that positionless approach that John Calipari you know, talked about almost a decade ago and things like it, th- this roster kind of fits that. But I was talking to a college coach back in April at a, they were there kind of just evaluating and, and watching some kids and stuff. I think, I think it was April, it was early this spring. And we were talking about positions in basketball and they brought up Aaron Bradshaw to me and they said, I hope John Calipari doesn't stick him on the block. Hope he lets him do some things, but why are we getting so caught up in who plays the five, who plays the four, who plays the three? In today's style of basketball, it doesn't matter. You've got guys that can handle it. you guys got guys that can shoot it. And if you are not a floor spacer, you your chances of being successful in the game of basketball at the professional level or the collegiate level, it's not very high. Like, you have to be able to space the floor. And Kentucky's got guys on this roster that can do that. And that's why I, I don't like getting caught up in the who's going to be the five, who's going to be the four, who's going to be the three. And it doesn't matter. Just get – on the floor 
and play. And I'm hoping that Kentucky has a roster here where Cal lets guys face the basket a ton, use some of that athleticism, beat people off the bounce. We know Bradshaw has to improve his ball handling if he's going to do anything outside the paint or outside mid-range. We know it's an area of his game it has to improve. But, look, Kentucky's got some guys here, Jack, that John Calipari can get creative, and I, I hope that he does. I hope we get to see some of that stuff in Toronto. I, I know that's early, and they're not going to have a, a ton of time to really get everybody together and kind of gel and – and get stuff there, but I'm hoping that they showcase some of that stuff for us. But then in the season, don't just pigeonhole guys just because they're 6'11", 6'10", 7 mm-hmm. foot, however big they are. Let, let them get creative with it. Let's look at some lineups, uh, move some of these wings, and, and do you look at some four guards? I, I don't know. Like He has options, and if if they take advantage of that, I think Kentucky has a, a dynamic offensive attack that can put up a ton of points this year. And. Going back to draft night, Thursday night, it was, you know, I never wanted to get lost that Chris Livingston is a fantastic kid. I think his family, he he has a good family and his support system would die for that kid. Like they, they idolize Chris Livingston. And like, I, I think that's a really positive trait, but I also think that they listen to the wrong people during the process and it resulted in a really uncomfortable draft night. Um, I heard from somebody hours leading up to the draft that Chris Livingston had gotten a promise that he was, you know, their, their family was really excited. They were already, you know, already had the paperwork, knew where they were going. And that, like, there was just a, a ton of excitement that, that like, yeah, we're finally proving our naysayers wrong. And then like the, the slip just continued. And then it kind of changed toward the end that, oh, well, Rich Paul made that call and this is where he was going to be all along. And uh, there's still a lot of debate for if that was the right fit and that's where he really wanted to play. You know, that doesn't matter. I hope he goes there and absolutely crushes it and and carves out a career because Chris is a really good kid uh, with a lot of talent. But I will say from Clutch's side and from Rich Paul's side, he, the first conversations to open, you know, during his time at Kentucky, ending the season, kind of looking ahead to the future, they promised lottery for Chris Livingston. And then when it became clear he wasn't a lottery guy, they promised, well, we're going to get him a guarantee at the end of the first round. Like, oh, he's he's going to be a first-round pick. Don't worry about it. Like, telling Chris and his family it's all going to be okay, he's going to be a, a late first-round pick. When it became clear that he wasn't going to be a late first-round pick, then the goalposts started shifting yet again to, well, we're at least going to get him a guarantee uh, in the second round you know, top 40, top 45-ish range pick. The Lakers moved up on uh, leading up to the draft to that 40th spot. Everybody was like, oh, well, you know, if he goes 40, it's a guaranteed pick and uh, he'll get a guaranteed contract. That makes a lot of sense. LeBron, LA, you know, clutch, it makes a lot of sense. And then he can, you know, that slip continues. Then you get the Shams tweet saying, um, you know, they, they made the call to tell everybody else to not draft our kid because he's going 58th and uh, that's where he wanted to go. Like, he wouldn't want to go earlier and get a guaranteed deal. It's just, is a really terrible PR mess on Clutch's side. And I've heard the backlash of that, like watching that s- circumstance unfold in particular has been really, really bad for Rich Paul and Clutch that there is, there is some speculation that Clutch guys are thinking about cutting ties with these guys because they have, j- they're just not a man of their word. Like they create false promises and build this false hope that like Chris Livingston lost money because of Rich Paul. Like that's a fact. Chris Livingston lost money because of Clutch and because of Chris Paul. Uh, Rich Paul. I don't know how. If you're Aaron Bradshaw, you watch that situation unfold and go, Ah, that's the guy that I want representing me. That's the guy that who is telling me I don't need to be playing a single minute for John Calipari at Kentucky because I'm going to be a top five pick as a as a four. I don't know how you trust that guy after watching how the draft unfolded. I just don't. So. I, th- I think that may have helped in Kentucky's favor as well as, you know, they're trying to deal with the, the PR nightmare of, of the surgery. What's his injury status? What's his return timeline? Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Like, I think there's nothing that I think, I think draft night helped Kentucky in that regard with Aaron Bradshaw. I just do. Yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say is it it had to help because when, when that tweet came out there early in the second round that, you know, they're calling around and, and telling teams not to draft Chris. Like, I don't care what your guarantee is or where it comes. Like, if if one of those teams wants to draft Chris Livingston, they're they're entitled to have the right to draft Chris Livingston at 
pick 30 or 31 or 32 or whatever it is. And I mean, you're losing money each pick that you go down the board like that. That's not helping. Mm-hmm. That's not putting you in a, in a position there. And, and thankfully he was selected with the final pick. I, I know in a shortened draft that ended with 58 picks, but he was picked and I hope that Chris kills it. I hope he has success yeah. in the league because I feel like that he had some guys in his ear and in his corner that, didn't put him in the best situation to have success. Like I still feel like Chris Livingston should be on this Kentucky roster right now. And us having a discussion about what he could do as a breakout sophomore. Mm -hmm. That's the discussion we should be having today. Not about him being the 58th pick in the NBA draft and whether or not the people in his corner did the right thing for his career. Like we should be talking about what sophomore Chris Livingston could be, and then possibly moving into a first round pick this year in a, in a draft that I think he would have done a lot better in. That's not the case. So now if you're Aaron Bradshaw or whoever else, you want to watch that and you want to look at that and at least have some questions on your end of thinking, do I want, okay, there's an example now. Do I want to, to follow that and become that version of this? Or do I want to trust the guy in the staff that has done it multiple times and put guys in positions to have success on draft, not, not just on draft, not, but three, four, five, six, seven years in the league. Kentucky's got the blueprint to do it. That's the guy I would trust. And I know that we give Cal a lot of criticism at times for things and, and the way that they do things, but that is one area that you cannot question is he puts pros in the pros and they stick in there if you listen to him. And I think that, that Bradshaw is a piece that that is going to be one of those guys and uh, would be a significant contributor to what Kentucky's trying to do in 23-24. So he – Publicly, uh, it's kind of refreshing to have these kids go on Instagram live and just document their lives and just yeah. like, hey, I know this fan just asked me, hey, is your foot broken? Yeah, man, just had surgery. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. So no problem. Like, where the hell did that come from? Like, you never get that type of uh, of transparency ever. And, and, and to to have that, it's, it's almost refreshing. Uh, you'd wish that we, you know, have it had some type of statement or, a, you know, a, an official news release or something, you know, a quote from Cal, hey, Aaron had his surgery. Uh, he's on track to play this season. No worries. He's not going to play at the Global Jam and in Toronto. It sucks. We're going to miss him. But, uh, you know, we're excited to get him back on the floor. Something like that would have been would, would be awesome. But uh, I've been told Kentucky's just kind of taking a back seat and just letting it all unfold and hoping that uh, it all works out, which is, you know, which is fine. Cause you know, I've heard, again, I said this on last week's show that Aaron himself wants to play. Um, Kentucky believes that health wise, he will be back in time to play at some point. Um, I know clutch in their eyes, they think that they're going to be able to boot this kid and that he'll never have to play for Kentucky and they'll be able to shade and sharp him and uh, you know, all that, all that. But if Bradshaw has it his way, he will play for Kentucky. And if Kentucky has it his way, its way, he will play for Kentucky. And hopefully that's all that matters. Um, I do appreciate how excited Bradshaw is. And, and, you know, when he has been at these youth camps, he's been super energetic and super involved. And uh, there's been a lot of very positive feedback about who he is as just a character and as a person. And, I, you know, you love to have those types of guys around the program. Um, Kentucky needs him on the floor and there is still, you know, continued op- optimism that he will be uh, playing for Kentucky at some point. You know, I, I said last week that September to October is the timeline that I had heard. Uh, he said three to six weeks was what he's hoping for. Um, I was told that September to October is what the safe, optimistic, let's like that. That's when we'll see him back to live game activity. So uh, that's what I'm personally, you know, if he gets back in six weeks, three, four, five weeks, whatever. Awesome. Like we, you, you want him back earlier, you know, sooner rather than later, but I'm me personally, I'm expecting him to miss them. You know, a lot of the preseason stuff, a lot of the, you know, big blue madness, all that. Uh, and then hopefully he's back in time for uh, game one of the regular season. Cause that's all that matters. You know, they, they might lose some games in Toronto because they're missing Aaron Bradshaw, but, at the end of the day, Toronto doesn't matter. That's about learning and growing and building chemistry. What matters is the regular season, and I think that uh, there's a lot of internal hope that Bradshaw will be a part of that. I think Toronto is very important for Ugo. I think that's the the guy that I would circle for Toronto being significantly important for because with Bradshaw not playing, he's going to be the guy that's probably going to get a lot of extra run at that spot. And and I think that's big for him because I a guy that we didn't get to see a lot of last year, 
there's advantage and opportunities. And, and I think if, if Bradshaw is able to get back on that timeline that you just, you just put out there, then that means that he's there for the, for some of the preseason and, and available when the regular season starts. And that's what you want. You don't want any kind of lingering issues into November or December because then that's kind of delaying the development. That's delaying the team chemistry, things like that. But for a guy like Ugo needs to take advantage of extra opportunities here in July and getting some of that run and kind of maybe solidifying himself as the five man for Kentucky like that guys get opportunities when others aren't present and able to play. These other guys need to take advantage of that. And uh, whatever that role is in Toronto, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Kentucky looks like here in a couple of weeks and not putting any weight into the outcome and the results of these games. It's more so about what do I see that they can build on because we know what they look like in July is not what they're going to look like in November. What they look like in November is not what they're going to look like in March. Like this is a, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint, but we at least get to see some form of basketball with this group here in a couple of weeks. And that's something that Cal and the staff can build on as well. What do you make of uh, Jonathan Gavoni putting out the, uh, his mock draft? And, you know, you talked earlier about a lot of Kentucky guys on it. Ugo actually listed ahead of Aaron Bradshaw uh, as a first round pick. I mean, that's, you know, that's a really reputable individual, at least, you know, from a scouting perspective, uh, I do think he's very agenda driven with everything that he does. So that should be taken with, with, with a grain of salt, but dude knows his basketball and he has an eye for talent and he sees Ugo as a first round draft pick. And he had Aaron Bradshaw in the second round, which I think that was, that, that was a statement. Yeah, it was. And uh, seeing Ugo where I saw him, I thought was a big surprise. I agree with that. I, I didn't, I didn't expect to see that name pop up there. Uh, I believe Rob Dillingham was in there too. Mm-hmm. The early second round, like you, and that, that was the thing that stood out to me. And this is before Kentucky had added Trey Mitchell, and this was uh, right after they'd added Reeves or returned Reeves. They view this roster having a ton of talent, and it does have a ton of talent. And that's where I'm coming from. That you don't need five or six of these guys to become first first round picks. You need a couple of them to break into that lottery. And let's face it, Kentucky's best basketball teams. I mean, it's no secret. Cal's best teams at Kentucky, they're, they have multiple guys called have their name called during the NBA draft lottery. And those first 14, 15 picks of the NBA draft, or you have a couple guys in the first round, go back to the last year that we know that they had success, tournament success. We didn't get to see the NCAA tournament with Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey, and we know that Tyrese Maxey fell to a point to where he was significantly undervalued in what he's become in his career. Like redraft, redraft that thing, and he's – taken significantly higher than what he did. But you go back to P.J. Washington, Tower Hero, and that group. That's the last time we saw Kentucky have tournament success. The years after that, they've not been loading up in the lottery. Like, you need to get back to doing that with D.J. Wagner, with Justin Edwards, or Bradshaw, whoever it is, get multiple picks. And I know that that's not just easy to do, but it goes hand in hand. When Kentucky does that, they have success in the NCAA tournament. And this feels like a roster that if it hits, they got guys that are going to hear their name called, multiple guys in that portion of the NBA draft. But if it works out that way, then I think Kentucky has a chance to really do a lot of good things this year. And I, you, you brought up Rob a couple times. I continue to hear really good things about Rob. Um, a lot of off-court stuff that he's just been a joy to be around. And I, I know it might be just trying to shut up the naysayers that talked about all the off. You know, we, we've talked extensively about – you know, his reputation, again, I, I think a lot of the reputation stuff wasn't about, you know, him being a bad kid, because I don't think that's ever been uh, up for debate, but a lot of like, you know, work ethic questions and uh, how reliable is he, you know, will he show up, you know, he kind of goes to the beat of his own drum and those those sorts of questions. Uh, I've heard from multiple different people that Rob's been sensational. He's shown up and he's been uh, absolutely stellar from a you know workout standpoint. He's been knocking down shots and really looks like there's a lot of excitement about Rob. Um, but as a player, obviously, but a lot of it is like, man, this kid's just a joy to be around. He's you know he's very low maintenance. You know, I think there was kind of this concern about all the schools that he bounced around from, and you know that there, there could be kind of a you know is he a prima donna? Is there you know that side of things? None of that. He's been an absolute joy, and there's a lot of excitement about him. Um, I, we talked before that Reed has been sensational, uh, really turning heads early uh, in, in some of these early workouts. Uh, I was told he's kind of doing just everything the right way, making the right reads, making the good basketball decisions. His work ethic's been awesome. Uh, a lot of excitement about him. So uh, 
nothing but glowing reviews and, and I needed I needed to hear the good stuff about Rob DJ I've heard it is has been good and you know making an impact as long as those pieces kind of fall into place the way they're supposed to I I truly believe everything else will revolve around it and that like you could get back to getting that giddiness that you had when these guys signed and thinking big picture potential what they could end up being uh, I think if 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 Rob and DJ together work together cohesively and and they can play off of one another extremely well, I think everything else is going to fall into place perfectly. I think that's been a, where a lot of the, the concern has come from. Uh, and if those two are working together, uh, I think that's when you can really start to get excited about what this, what this team's going to be. And Rob is a guy, Jack, that I think is going to be on the scouting report every single night, regardless of whether he played well the game before or if he didn't play well the game before, because Rob's a guy that can create his own shot. He, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. He, He's shifty, and he has that ability to, if, if he comes off the bench, to go in there and, and knock down two quick threes on you mm-hmm. and get quick buckets and be instant offense. He also has the ability to kind of go in there and, and shoot his way back to the bench, and we know that'll be kind of that that tug-and-go thing with John Calipari and that relationship that you'll see some of that in Toronto, I think, but when he's hot, he's hot, and when he's taking some questionable shots, you're going to see Cal there pulling his hair out, but – that's a relationship that and, and a trust that's going to have to be built throughout the season as well. But Rob is a guy that can do it. Kentucky's got guys on this roster that I think can go get their own. And I, I feel like down the stretch a year ago, that was an area where they struggled as I felt like that they just didn't have that guy. I know Kaysen became that guy there late in the season and, and tried to put Kentucky on its back to, to get them to the Sweet 16. But Kentucky's going to have multiple guys that I think can go get their own from the perimeter and get a bucket when you need it. And and you have to have those guys in the NCAA tournament to win in advance. So I, I heard uh, in some of the same conversations about, you know, who's standing out and, and things like that. Uh, in those conversations, I had heard that Joey Hart had the highest standing vertical on the team. Uh, and at first I was like, I mean, yeah, he's, you know, an underrated athlete and, and, I, I know I know he's explosive, but was it the best on the team? I was like, man, it, it might just be kind of, you know, off-season fodder trying to build excitement and all that. And then I had his uh, old high school coach on our Sunday morning radio show uh, it, it, yesterday morning, and, and I, I brought that up. I said, so little birdie told me that Joey had the highest standing vert. You know, can you confirm or deny? He was like, I was actually going to bring that up because I had heard, I don't know, he was like, I, I'm assuming it's from a different person, but I had heard the exact same thing that he's – uh, you, you know, out leaping a, a bunch of elite athletes on this team. And uh, he, he told a story of they went to uh, an opposing gym and the uh, AD called him afterward and said, hey, man, I, I'm going to send a bill to your AD because uh, uh, for a new rim, Joey, Joey broke our rim. Uh, he had eight dunks that game or something. So uh, th- there's a lot of excitement. And, and look, I don't think Joey's role is going to be more than go in and make a shot or two every once in a while in year one, which is totally fine. But uh, he's a winner. He's a, he, you know, he's one of those guys that is just wired to win. Uh, his coach said that he has 90 plus 94 wins, I believe over the course of his, um, his uh, high school career uh, as a starter uh, at the varsity level. Like that, I mean, that's a lot of wins. Dude is I, when I interviewed him uh, leading up to his commitment about, you know, to put out after he committed, he said, uh, you know, if we lose games, I'm going to be pissed off. Like, I'm, I'm going to be frustrated if we lose games because I've, I've never lost in my entire life. Those are the types of guys that you want as your 10th, 11th, 12th man on, on, on the roster. Absolutely, you do. Like, uh, I think that addition's going to be a good one. And he's a guy that early on, if, if his role is just to come in and knock down shots, if Kentucky's facing some zone or if there's a, a guy or two out, you know, banged up with injuries or something there. And, and maybe a guy that too gets a little bit of run there in those non-conference games early in November where we, we see Kentucky have some success. If that's his role first year, then I think he'll play that role well. And I think he will, he's the type of guy that'll be okay playing that role. But his addition to the program to me was more about long-term and what he could become and what he projects to be if he commits to the process of staying in Lexington. That's where his value is. But then he gets to help this roster and, and do the, th- the thing that he's elite at, and it's making shots. If you can hit shots, they'll you can find a place for you. Like if, if you can consistently knock down shots, 
then I think you can play. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. And, and he's a guy that we know when you get in Toronto and stuff with, with Bradshaw not being available and, and wherever Kentucky's at, we know we're going to see a lot of different faces, a lot of different lineups. And, and Jack, Kentucky's going to try to win those games. But like you said a moment ago, that's not the key thing that you're looking for here. The thing that John Calipari and his staff is looking for in mid-July is what do we have? What are the what are the capabilities of some of these guys? Like, how good is is Jordan Burks a guy that, that can come in and 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 do some things for us? Like, that's the questions that you're looking to have answered in July. Where are these guys now? And then you kind of take that and you look at it in August and September, and you kind of have an idea of who you're dealing with when you get to those preseason uh, practices in October and and what you got. Like, this is the perfect team to go on a foreign tour and play a week of basketball games. You have all these new faces, all of them outside Antonio Reeves. I mean, you can even throw a Duthiero and, and Ugo in there as new faces, but the, the limited roles they played a year ago. A lot of question marks, but now you have a roster that you're looking at and thinking, okay, you you got versatile pieces at the four. You've got a guy that projects to be a, a solid rim protector at the five. You have all these guards that can do their thing. You have guys that can make shots. It, it's a roster that when you look at it now on paper – you're starting to, to see the possibility of it being a pretty solid basketball team if it all comes together. Uh, FT says over under on Reed uh, five minutes a game. In regular season? it's. Uh, um, I genuinely believe Reed is going to play 12 to 15 minutes a game. I do. I, I mean, unless DJ and Rob are that good like to the point where you got to play them 35 minutes each and they're consistent and efficient and Antonio is you know his role is you know continues to be what it was last year and and there's just not a need for Reed Uh, but I've just heard you know really good things to the point where kind of the love affair that Cal had this past year for CJ Frederick when he was healthy where in a in a pinch of Am I going to go for potential or the sure thing? A guy who I know, even if CJ's shot's not falling, I know he's going to fight on defense. I know he's going to not turn the ball over. I know he's going to make the right read, uh, you know, and, and, and fight. Like that's why he went with CJ so often, especially early on in the season before the injury started ramping up. I think I think Reed is going to have that exact same role. I think he's going to come in. He's going to fight defensively. Uh, he, you know, he he's physically limited and, and you know from a lateral quickness perspective, but I do think that he's going to make up for that. Kind of, I mean, very similar to, to CJ. He was not super laterally quick, but he fought uh, and he made up for it with making the right reads and or the right decisions on offense to to stay on the floor. Uh, and I trust Reed to knock down shots. Like I, I trust him to go out there and and make make the right decisions. You know, from a shooting perspective as well. So I, I truly believe he's going to be a twelve to fifteen minute per game guy. Uh, and I think that's going to be one of the early shocks of the season, just how much Reed Shepard uh, is going to play. There's going to be a moment next season where Kentucky is going to be in a battle with someone and whether there's going to be some foul trouble, DJ Wagner on the floor or something, but Reed Shepard is going to be running the point in a, in a key moment. And I think that that's where he adds some versatility. He can play the one he can, he can run some two and things and his IQ Jack like it's off the charts like he he knows the game he plays at a high level the passes he makes his willingness to defend I think his his role early in this program is going to be similar to, to that of his dad's whatever it takes to get on the floor with a lot of talented pieces and then if he if he stays the course he's a star by the end of his time in Lexington and and leading Kentucky and kind of being a leader for a team as he advances throughout however long he's here. If he's here two years, three years, four years, whatever the the track is for for Reed Shepard, I'm not going to you know put a put a cap on it or whatever it's going to be because I don't know how good he can be. Very good player though, the kind of guy that you trust. He's a guy that I think John Calipari already trusts a ton before he's ever played a game for mm-hmm. a single minute for Cal. Yep. And he's the perfect piece to add to this class and have. And he's been a part of it for a very long time now. And he, he knows what it takes to succeed. And uh, I, I think that he's, he's a winner. And that alone, I think, will get him on the floor and, and play a role, whether that be at the one, the two, the three, whatever it is, whatever Kentucky's doing. He has some versatility in the backcourt that he can help this team win. Mark my words, we do not see four years of Reed Shepard in Lexington, and not because of transfer. It's going to be because he bets on himself as an NBA player. 
I, I, I genuinely believe that he is an NBA talent at some, maybe it's not as a ever as a star, but I, I think he has a role in the NBA and I, I, I think he will take a chance on himself before he gets, even gets to the point of graduating, which sounds, sounds crazy. And, and, you know, NIL might get interesting because he's going to make a ton of money here with that. But I think from a pure talent perspective, I think he's going to put himself in pro position sooner than a lot of people think. He is. And, and, and credit to, to Jeff and Stacy too. Like they, they handled his recruitment as well as any parents could handle recruitment, but even more so the two people that had the success that they had at this university. Every time that we talked to him, Jack, or every time that we talked to Reed, it was, it was always, this is Reed's decision. You know, Reed's on his own on his own track here. He's on his own pace and, and, and whatever. And we're just kind of here enjoying the ride and, and helping him along the way. I think that Reed having that in his corner too at Kentucky, we know at times there's going to be struggles, but having a guy like Jeff and, and his dad there that, that went through it and his one at the highest level at this university, that goes a long way too. And, and that's going to help him a ton and, and keep him in a frame of mind to have success. And, uh, he is listen that that every single team that you look at in the top twenty five this year in college basketball would love to have a guy like Reed Shepard on its roster. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky, I think, is is in a really good spot to have it and fortunate to have it. And uh, look, this fan base is going to fall in love with him. They already have, but a Kentucky kid whose dad was an MVP of the Final Four in nineteen ninety eight, like man, that's a lot of pressure. But that kid's got the shoulders to carry it. And I love how well he has just embraced the media stuff and every single quote like he has he has beaten that i'm just a little boy from kentucky quote into oblivion but my god that thing hits i mean you don't you don't need it to you know be original every single time and have a new like that boy's gonna have t-shirts that say i'm a little boy from kentucky and he's going to make a ton of money doing it like I applaud the effort, man. He 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 knows exactly what he's doing. He's a very smart kid. Dad and mom know how to market the hell out of that too. And you know, he's going he's going to be a really solid player for a long time. Uh, but he's also like he's got he's got the charisma. He's got the smarts. He knows how to cater to BBN. Like dude, dude is is uh, really really well versed in how to how to be successful as a Kentucky basketball player. And I think. There, there's a reason for that. It's because dad is who dad is and mom, mom is who uh, mom is. Uh, I like this this message. Blizz Tech uh, WAP says, is this the only podcast that can be um, called upon within an hour and still get viewers? BBN is unmatched. Yeah, we kind of did the exact, you know, commitment happened and your Wi-Fi was out. You, you, you lost power with the storms last night. I hope all of our you know fans uh had no weather issues, no significant damage or anything. It was, it was rough. My house especially got really, really bad at some points last night. So hopefully, hopefully everybody's okay. But uh, you lost power and we were navigating very quickly how to put this thing together shortly after the commitment happened and poof, still had a bunch of viewers. So uh, hope, hopefully everybody's okay. But it is pretty pretty cool that we made made uh, made this happen on such short notice. Yeah, we, we got a lot of people on here right now. And it's, I mean, it's four o'clock. I mean, this is... It shows the power of BBN and and the reason this uh, you want to play here, right? You want to play for people that are tuning in at four o'clock on an afternoon when hearing about a, a, a guy that a lot of people probably didn't have on their radar five days ago, and now just over the over the moon excited about this addition to the roster. And I think that Trey is going to be a big piece to what Kentucky does early in the season, I think, and uh, hopefully a big piece to what Kentucky does in the NCAA tournament. Like it, it's a great ad. Like this is, it, and we needed episodes like this, right? Like we, we had to, we had all the negative negativity and all the episodes were like, what is Kentucky doing? Or they don't have, they don't have enough guys to even run five on five and, and open gym or anything like that, or some open runs. But now you have a roster, you kind of see it coming together. You see some lineup combinations. you got Antonio Reeves back. you, a lot of positive PR that Kentucky needed in the last week or so, and and they got it at the right time because it was a spring loaded with a lot of negativity and a lot of guys questioning what's Kentucky doing. Is Cal an, an important season here? Like this is the most important one for Cal. And you had people like, well, is Cal going to flop out here and not even have enough dudes to have a roster? Now they, they got a pretty solid roster now. And uh, circumstances worked in Kentucky's favor, but getting Mitchell this late, 
you don't see many additions this solid around the country this late in the process. And Kentucky got a good one today. Brian B says, no, it shows America is the laziest country in the world. Nobody works anymore. <laughs> yeah. It literally like three, th- three above it. Uh, Br- Brett uh, Renales says, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to be working. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we appreciate uh, whether they're working or not. I, I, I don't care. We appreciate the viewers, each and every one of them. Uh, let's uh, start wrapping this thing up. Yeah, a bunch of people were asking about uh, Somto. Yes, I, I said earlier in the show, I still believe that's uh, on track. Nothing has changed with Somto. He's going, uh, he, he's back working on classes, trying to get those uh, academic hurdles cleared. Um, I was told those should be wrapped up by you know mid-July or so, maybe late July. And then uh, August is very likely when he enrolls and makes his way to campus. Um, you know, there are other schools that are, that are pushing for him, Providence, uh, Indiana, Cincinnati, a couple others uh, that like him a lot. But I think Kentucky is where he has always wanted to be. And I think he knows who he is as a basketball player. He would not come in and be Shaq from year one. He would come in and play a Lance Ware role, spot minutes every once in a while with, you know, as an, as an enforcer type, type of player and, um, you know, give you a couple of really hard fouls early and, and just very, you know, high floor, low ceiling guy, at least in year one, which I, you know, I think you, you can always have that type of player on your roster. He will not be, uh, in, in Toronto with Kentucky. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw will not be playing. So Ugo will be your only true center on the roster. I'm going to have to get creative there. Trey Mitchell will play, uh, in, in Toronto. I'm trying to think of any other guys that were even uh, up in the air. Um, I think that's that should be it. So you're, you're going to be thin, but not ridiculously thin. And I thought we talked about it last episode. Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell joining the fold, returning and joining the fold, definitely make that from instead of Kentucky getting run run out of the gym, they will at least be able to compete in these games. Even if they lose them, they will not get blown out like I think was on the table uh, without Bradshaw and without Reeves and, and Trey Mitchell. I'm going to put you on the spot here since we're getting close, and I know we'll get into this next week even even more. Who's the guy we're talking about that we're not really thinking about a ton or maybe the fan base isn't thinking about? Who are we talking about after Toronto that maybe stands out up there? You think, I've got yeah. my guy. It, it's got to be a do. It, it's it's, it's got to be a do. Uh, in fact, talking to the – his former AAU coach who coached Trey Mitchell, who coached uh, Nate Sestina, which did you see John Calipari just tweeted a picture with Nate Sestina? Do you think that was an accident? No, it it was not an accident. All this stuff is connected and it's all together. Um, But he brought that up. We were talking about Trey Mitchell and, you know, his excitement about Trey and, you know, the role and the fit and those sorts of things. But every time you would start rambling about, Trey Mitchell and his excitement there, it would always direct back to Adutheiro. Every single time it was like, but the real guy everybody should be excited for is Adutheiro because the dude does this, 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 and this. And he's just so skilled and he's like six, eight now. And like, you know, he just, he kept going on and on about Adu. And like by the end of the phone call, it was like, damn, this story's kind of about Adu now. Like I, I called him asking about Trey Mitchell and the, the overarching theme of the phone call was, a Duth hero is the guy that we should be paying attention to. So that's definitely my guy. I think, I think because Aaron Bradshaw is going to be out because Samto is not going to be there because you know, they're going to need some bodies to do different things that I don't think that they were necessarily, you know, planning for originally, like with DJ Reed, Rob, Justin, Antonio having their main roles. Like I think a do kind of can slide in there as that three or four, or, you know, just, wherever he, you know, they need to provide minutes. Like I think he's going to be that guy. And I think that's where we could get really creative and, and show some really interesting stuff with Adu. Uh, I mean, like we saw that picture of Joey Hart uh, moving in with Adu, like bicep, just on uh, bicep on top of his bicep. Adu is like, damn son, like you're, uh, you know, not just growing height wise, but like he's, he's hitting the weights and, and looking really good. So I, I, I think Adu is going to be the guy that, I'm personally excited for, but I think during the season is going to do some really interesting things that uh, kind of change the dynamic of, of what this roster can be. Yeah, for sure. And uh, with, with no Bradshaw in Toronto, it, it's going to force Cal to have to go small at times. And and maybe you, you see some lineup combinations there. And if they have success against those teams, maybe that's something that you see carry over into the regular season. Hopefully, 
because I, I do want to see Kentucky get creative with its lineups, especially with this roster, the versatility across it, the the shot makers, the the guys that can put it on the deck and make plays. I, I want to see Kentucky get creative with this roster and and, and do some things differently. And uh, having a shortage of guys available at positions and Ugo being the only five available, it's going to force Cal to at least at times look at some different combinations, and, and you have to do things differently when you do that. Yeah, we, we'll see how it goes. I think we hit all of the main questions. Uh, well, I guess the, the news that um, – who was it, Jeff Goodman? Yeah, Jeff Goodman put out that um, Chuck Martin at Oregon has emerged as uh, one of Cal's go-to targets for that final uh, assistant coaching position. We've talked about Chuck Martin on this show, um, you know, leaving some of the early EYBL, EYBL events. We know that conversations happened and – that Cal liked him a lot, prior connections with him. Um, so I, I'm still not 100%. So like I, I I don't know how far along those talks are, if it's just old information getting resurfaced because it's a dead period and the, like people are aware that there's an opening on the staff and connecting the dots that they had talked before. So putting two and two together that that's, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, because I had to- been told initially that they talked and those talks kind of broke down or at least were put on, you know, pause. I don't know if that was Chuck going back to Oregon or Cal trying, you know, going a different direction or whatever. And then zeroing, you know, back and going going to research, um, try those conversations again. I-, I just don't know where things stand right now. But Jeff Goodman says that he's the front runner for that position. What do you what do you make of that? Do you think that'd be a good fit for the Cats? It's another guy that that Cal trusts and has past experience with, and and it's a guy that's been at a lot of different stops, right? I mean, he's been in the SEC. He's uh, had some. He had a little, a little bit of a run there with, in the NBA too, like a, a guy that's been all over the place and uh, places that have had success and coaches that have had success. So, if if that's who Cal feels like and and, and wants to go with and and stuff, I I, I like the addition. If if that's a guy that Cal trust. And I know that's something that me and you talked about for months was that he kind of maybe need to step away from that, but it's look, we know Cal is Cal. He's, he's always going to go with the, a guy that he, that he trusts uh, helping with his program and having hands in his program. And if that's the way that it works out and it's another guy, I mean, it's another news that would come late, right? Like we're almost into July. Now uh, this Kentucky basketball offseason, it didn't have a lot of movement, but it, it's finally getting, somewhere so I, i'd be a fan of that addition i would just because of the experience across the game of basketball nba yeah, well, allegiantly in, in different conferences and things like that that's a guy that has a track record i know he didn't have success as a head coach but you're not needed to be a head coach you need to be an assistant coach and he's been at a lot of different stops so i, I think it would be a good one yeah he prior connections recruiting guy got mookie cook kj evans a couple of big name guys to uh oregon over the last couple of years I, I think it fits. Uh, it, he fits a role, fits a need. Honestly, now that I've heard such positive things about John Welch and the impact that he's made as a player development guy and as a relationship guy and those sorts of things, I'm less dramatic, I think, about what the rest of the staff needs to have and, and all that. I think adding a guy like Chuck Martin is is a very solid, you know, it, I don't think it's like a home run tripping over other schools, tripping over themselves to hire this guy type type of ad. But I think it'd be a very solid at this stage, you know, on June 26, uh, him emerging and, and, you know, being hired potentially in July or whatever. I think it'd be a solid get and uh, one, one to definitely keep an eye on because I know that they had had conversations in the past and it's somebody that Cal trusts and likes. So um, I haven't gone back to those conversations to see where things stand. I'll, I'll check back into that. But uh, if, if it unfolds, it's, it's a good one. And, we will see how things go, Sean. Great day for Kentucky basketball. Much needed uh, getting Trey Mitchell uh, added to the roster. Makes you feel a lot better about how things are going. Real quickly before we get out of here, the Source Say podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Andy 
can help you. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Sean, before we get out of here, uh, there are like 400 comments about your orange shirt. You need to clarify and and at least wear the green version of that shirt. Like you got to find a like black and green version with like maybe orange lettering because uh, they they do not like the uh, Tennessee orange despite it being a Frederick Douglass shirt. <laughs> I'll remember that next time. Uh, last time I wear orange, I'll wear green or, or black or something for now on if I have Douglas gear on. But now everybody should know this isn't Tennessee orange on the show. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. I mean, it is Adidas. I guess that maybe makes you question it a little bit. Is it Tennessee Adidas? I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we got a lot of people asking when Peach Jam is. Uh, it is July 3rd through the 9th, right? 3rd of the 9th. We will be down there July 5th through the 9th. And we'll be hosting KSR from Peach Jam. Uh, we're we're going to bring the equipment down there. Uh, July 6th is the Source of Say Takeover Day. We'll be there with Jacob Polachek, who does amazing work with KSR+. Plus. Uh, we're going to break down recruiting. We're going to talk about the latest on this roster. Uh, we'll see if, you know, new assistants are hired by then and, you know, if there's any other moving parts with uh, how this is all unfolding. It's going to be a great show. Can't wait to make that happen. Appreciate the opportunity uh, from Matt while he's on vacation. Uh, it's two, two good weeks of, of guest hosts and we're grateful to be uh, two of them, three, including Jacob. So appreciate that opportunity and make sure that you get those, the market calendars, Ju- July 6th, 10 to noon on uh, WLAP 630. Uh, all the local affiliates, you guys know where, where to find KSR. Uh, can't, can't wait for that. Uh, Sean, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. That will be back next time for the Jam Packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.